Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Brandon Kelly, a, uh, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Gold. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. I'm like, walk to Yeah, I want to fully From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up. To Mega Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Yes, Each episode okay, examines a personality sure of the world's yeah. game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance oh, and subsequent see. downfall. Russo. The teenage trio okay. at Dortmund that signaled the next and generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that Justin Zinedine Zidane from glory. As always. Golden goal. Soccer stars All and right, the moments that made them. Okay. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Cool. Putting my phone on silent because it wasn't. And I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Yep. Yep. Blue wire. All right. And Justin, we're pushing us live in five, four, three, two. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan, and with me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Doing well. Uh, you know, just got just got back from a, a, a brisk Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling uh, me? Uh, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, backcourt, Sexland. Um, oh, that's I, I gotta say, I, I probably taxed Kylie with the pace I was uh, <laughs> at to get back in time. So, you know, that one's on me. Um, I, I misjudged the time here, but we made it. We're we're relatively on time, and and for the Chase Down podcast, we call that on time. That that's pretty good. I mean, I can relate to Kylie. I, I know how it feels to be taxed by you. But joining us today, we are very excited to welcome back friend of the podcast, Kelsey Ruth. So from the Athletic, how are you doing today, Kelsey? I'm good. How are you guys? Not oh, great. It's nice. It's nice. Uh, uh, you know, it it feels like uh, just yesterday that you were you became a friend of the pod <laughs> right? when you. Uh, when you, when you joined us the first time very shortly after the week, I feel like we can just jump into it, Justin, because yeah. I was, we were sitting talking about what we want to talk about today. And I was like, you know, last time you joined us, I think you were like six days into your tenure <laughs> yeah. with the team. And now you've got a season under your belt. What's, uh, what's kind of the, the thing that you've learned or that surprised you? What's been your biggest takeaway after one year covering this team? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is like, to never expect anything because so much <laughs> happened this year. <laughs> and like, that's not a bad thing. Just as like to never, like there's so much unexpected things that can happen and like things change so fast. So just kind of being able to like adjust on the fly and being able to just kind of roll with whatever happens um, has, was definitely the biggest takeaway. Cause there was multiple times where I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like my head's spinning. There's so many things going on. Um, but like just being able to roll with it and just kind of work through it, I think was the biggest thing that I figured out of like, that's just kind of how these beats work. And you just got to be. Well, well, roll. some beats are some probably beats, that's true. a little easier than this one. <laughs> that's it, true. it was funny because I, I was catching up. I just as a refresher, I, I listened to bits of the podcast and we basically said, well, you know, the Cavs historically at least are always interesting. They, yeah. they might not always be good, but they are interesting. And that is certainly the, the case that was definitely the case this past season and um I one thing I I want to get into when it comes to the Cavs is we we've heard recently that they are pushing um one of the teams pushing for kind of a, a delete a bubble ha, have you got any sense from the team kind of what they are hoping to get out of that experience if they do in fact play some games before next season yeah, I feel like the biggest thing for them is, like, just being able to work with the young guys because, like, especially with, like, how much happened this year, it sort of took away from the developmental factor for guys like Darius and Colin and um, Kevin Porter. And so, like, being able to get back in the gym with them in the sense of that, like, they can run scrimmages or they can run drills with multiple guys. They can play games, you know, against other teams in this kind of second bubble is the best thing for the youth. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where their mindset is at. Like they, that's where they need to see the biggest growth. And I think they're aware of like going into next season, that's their main focus is of working with the young guys 
So being able to be back in that scenario, even if it's for a short time, kind of gives that opportunity to get back in the gym a little bit with them, work with them, work on some different little things they're focusing on, like individually and then kind of collectively. And then, you know, just kind of keep progressing because like going eight months, I mean, for any of them, obviously is going to be really hard, but especially I feel like for like Darius and Kevin Porter Jr. And like even Colin and Dylan Windler, like to an extent of just like, you're so young in the league, like you kind of need as much time as you possibly can. So. Yeah, I, I remember, well, I'm stupid. So when I first heard about the Elite Eight bubble proposal, my first instinct was like most uh, stupid people's, which was to go, why the hell do they need a bubble for these teams that suck? <laughs> and it really doesn't take long till you get to the idea that, you know, uh, playing time for these young teams is the number one uh, path to development. And, uh, you know, I, I Justin, uh, KPJ, uh, uh, got uh, aroused our attention uh, among other things with a post on Instagram recently, a little mixtape. And uh, like, I feel like, uh, yeah, and you tweeted something along the lines of like, we feeling like robbed of the fact that we didn't get late season KPJ. And yeah. I think that's really the biggest thing. Just eight months is just too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially from a player development standpoint, like, and it causes me to go crazy and get excited about open gym videos. And I'm <laughs> like, as much as I will allow myself to get excited about that stuff, I also recognize that I'm a crazy person when I, I get overly excited about that. One thing I've kind of thought about when thinking about either, let's say, a delete a bubble or if they're able to have a, a mini camp, because I, I think those are kind of the two things those teams that are outside of the bubble have pushed for. One of them has been that it would give the Cavs an opportunity to look at the young players, um, how they progress after what is effectively an offseason before they even draft. Has that been something that you, you've heard at all from the organization where it might have, like, let's say after all this time off, Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., Sexton, all kind of have their own levels of growth. Do, do you think that that's something that they would factor into the draft process? It, has that been something that they've brought up at all? I personally not, have not heard that, but that's a really good point. I mean, you know, they talk about growth and you want to see growth and especially with, you know, this year's draft with it being so guard heavy, mm-hmm. you know, if they see that growth that they're looking for. It, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things of like, yeah, if you're, if they're at this certain point, you're like, okay, well maybe then they adjust kind of like how they're approaching the draft. I, yeah, that's a really good, a really good point I hadn't thought of. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it, it I mean, feels like, it feels like the only silver lining with, with right. this whole situation. Like it, it's basically, as far as I know, it's an unprecedented situation where you get to see what your guys look like after an off season before you even draft someone. A hundred percent, especially too, with, you know, like Darius being out so much last off season after they yeah. drafted him, you know, like being able to get back in the gym with him and see how he's progressed. And you're like, all right, you know, now, now you can kind of, continue to make some decisions on what to do with your young guys, where to go with the draft, you know, kind of just how it might affect just kind of everything down the line. So I wouldn't, that, that wouldn't be shocking to me to hear that, you know, just, but I haven't personally heard it. If that makes sense. I don't, uh, I don't remember. When is the draft lottery again? August uh, think, 25th. Yeah. 25th. Something like that. Okay. So they'll know. And then the draft isn't till like October. October. I I think like October 18th or something. Let's call mid October. So, so conceivably if the bubble, if the delete eight bubble does happen, they should be able to get their hands on some of these guys um, and actually watch, see how they've developed. I don't know. It's it's a really interesting. um, It's a really interesting state for the team to be in. And I, I, have you gotten any sense of kind of, where how they're feeling internally about these prospects right now and whether they are willing to kind of go outside you know go draft for fit as opposed to to best player because they they like a kpj or a, a garland or a sexton yeah i think there's like it's still not really early but a little bit early where there's still there's still a lot of evaluating and especially because like some of those big opportunities where they would have gotten to see you know draft prospects aren't there but they, this time has been really useful to kind of involve everybody and be able to talk about, you know, guys and evaluate. Like um, JB said back in June, you know, that he's been involved a little bit more. It's still obviously left up a lot to the front office, but he's still kind of involved. So, like, 
his voice is in there. You know, they're, they're, I'm sure they're all talking and everything. And my feel, like, especially with where this team is at, you still kind of have to draft best player available just because of where they are in their rebuild. You know, it's the draft is sometimes I feel like for them, especially is more of like um, just kind of like acquiring assets, like acquiring talent and kind of going from there versus then like, you know, free agency, even though they don't have much cap space and they don't have like a lot of room, um, you would, that's kind of where you go a little bit more positional fit. But there's also the opportunity, depending on, you know, where they end up in the draft lottery, you kind of could sort of get best of both. It's just sort of depends. But I think from like, it just seems like they're, they'll probably still go best player available. But again, you know, mm-hmm. it's like one of those things that like things could change. You never exactly know, but that seems to kind of be the mindset. The thing that I always think is interesting with the draft is like, on one hand, yeah, you can say you're going to go for, for a fit or, uh, you know, you, like it, you can think like, okay, we're comfortable with our guards, but as you get closer and closer, like these, these people, these uh, front office people, they're people They they fall in love with prospects. And we don't know who, like, I mean, I don't know if, you, if you've heard anything, Kelsey, but right now, you know, you hear some ball talk, you hear some Wiseman talk, uh, but we don't really know who this draft, uh, who in this draft, this front office has fallen in love with yet. And that kind of, when that happens, a lot of your processes get thrown out the window. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I haven't personally heard, like, anybody specific yet. Um, but, again, that's still kind of one of the areas I'm working on. You know, this – this to go back to this kind of sucked as well for me of, like, a cut off time. <laughs> I was, like, building relationships, you know, like, getting in there with the guys and, like, getting to know people. And so I was like, man, I was making some good progress. And then this <laughs> just, like, cut it off. And I was like, all right, well – it's okay. We're just, we're making do, we're figuring it out. But yeah, so I'm still a little bit, you know, like figuring that out, like that side of it out as well mm-hmm. throughout this whole time. Yeah. And, and it certainly doesn't help. Like the, the cows typically operate They're They're a little tight lipped when mm-hmm. uh, it comes to information. And then when things get out, sometimes it makes me think, okay, well, what's the reasoning behind that? Like, I, I know we've talked to a uh, friend of the podcast, Evan Damerall about kind of some of the, talk of uh, ball being at the top of their list and that may be because other teams have them at the top of their list and they're going to look at trade options like there's so many things and, and ways that this can go it, it'll be fascinating to see what they do because as much as you want to take best player available you also want to draft a guy that you feel confident in your ability to bring them to their ceiling now one question um, I do need to ask because I'm a crazy person and this is one of my obsessions. Uh, and, and I think it's important to team building. How, how tall is Kevin Porter Jr.? <laughs> and, and, and I don't, and, and let, let us be very clear here. We are not interested in his official listed height. Yeah, I, I don't care about we, that. We, we're looking for a ballpark when he's on the floor. What, 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 what would you guess? Because <laughs> I, I think Tristan said that he was 6'7 or 6'8 at one point. And like, if he is actually small forward size, that all of a sudden makes things make a little bit more sense. Because so, he's listed at 6'4, but we really want him to be 6'7. He's 6'4? Okay, okay, he's listed at 6'4? You know... Your, your reaction is encouraging to me because it makes well, it seem as outlandish as it feels. Well, this is the problem, too. Of like, I'm also kind of short, so they all feel really <laughs> tall to me. Like, no matter what, they all are, like, up here, and I'm just like, hello, like, down here. I'm, like, I'm 5'6", so I'm not, like, not that short. But still, I was about to say, that's pretty tall for a, for a gal. Yeah, but compared to all of them, it's there's, like, a major gap difference, like, just across the board. So, mm-hmm. so if he's standing next to Tristan, is it, like... Eh? <laughs> or eh? I'm trying to th- okay also though like his hair also makes a difference like when he was that's wearing, true like, and, and it's also been four months <laughs> right <laughs> he's um, seven three with hair exactly yeah. <laughs> that's a great question I don't know I yeah I don't I don't I don't know if I like well this is that. so then so because you have access that we don't have um once the world gets normal again um mm-hmm. training camp uh, yeah. Heading into the the delete eight, yeah. uh, we're gonna need a direct report. Yes, Kevin if you got if you gotta get a, if, if you gotta go get a a couple yardsticks. That's a good what, idea. Whatever gets us up the mountain, he'll he'll understand. <laughs> he seems like a cool guy. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, it may may be just a little bit uncomfortable as you you walk up and you go with the marker on a door frame. (laughs) Well, you haven't seen him in a couple months. It's a good icebreaker. Exactly, yeah. Just just checking how tall you are. Yeah. Out of of curiosity, what has been the level of access you guys have been getting? Um, Because obviously Justin and I are... Uh, in the realm of uh, unimportant pundits, so we don't get uh, we don't get good access. But what kind of access have you had to the team um, uh, during this uh, uh, during the pandemic? Yeah. Um, so basically, like leading up, like when it when it started, and probably up to like the middle of June, when they decided officially that you know twenty two teams were going, and like the Cavs were going to be left out, um, we were having um, some Zoom calls, kind of pretty regularly um, with either JB or players and it kind of just um, switched off and on. And like, we could like Chris Fedora, I could like ask, you know, about talking to people. Um, and that was really nice. Like just being able to have like, it, like, I think we talked to, talked to Larry Nance, Jr., Tristan, um, Kevin Love, Colin and JB. And we talked to JB a couple of times. So they were kind of like spread out over like, like once a week sort of. So, um, and then kind of from there, like if I was working on something specific, I reached out, you know, and, and requested if I could talk to somebody and like did some things. So, um, but kind of once they like decided like who was going to Orlando and who wasn't, that was like the official start of their off season. And that's when kind of things get quieter on their end. So there's not really anything, there's not things like scheduled, but because I still am like writing stuff and like working on stories I've been like talking with PR about setting things up and working around, around that. So, but um, that's kind of where like, it's that there's nothing officially set up. So it's just kind of like, if you need it, they'll, they'll work on it kind of thing. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it's quite the, it's gotta be so different. You know, I, I was a fake journalist once um, <laughs> and uh, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's gotta be wildly different over a zoom call or a, a phone call to like try to get, worthwhile information like they can duck you pretty easy if, if they want to yeah yeah it's funny it was like on the zoom calls it's like everybody like puts in like a their if they have a question so it's like you just kind of go you get called on so it's just kind of it's very diplomatic you know it's very <laughs> just kind of like in order but it has been really nice like I have been really appreciative that they've done them because I know some teams weren't doing anything which makes it really hard to cover a team so it has been really nice like to just kind of you know because people are curious like what have they been doing in quarantine? Like what's happening, you know? So it's been cool to be able to just have those check-ins and, you know, yeah, it's probably like, was it like monumental stuff? Like, Oh, I'm, you know, working out or I'm staying busy, but like being able to just still do that and kind of remind people that they are people too, you know, they're humans, they're going through things, they're working through this pandemic as well, you know, was cool to be able to do. Have you got the impression that, uh, these guys want to come back um, prior to the next season starting. I'm sure it's got to be mixed even within the team, you know, like the young guys, I'm sure maybe a little bit hungrier to get out there. Like what's been the impression you've gotten from guys that you've talked to? Yeah, I think from definitely from the younger guys, there seems to be more like a more want to go back. And it's not that the vets like don't, but there's just kind of the, the less drive for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, and there's not, a, they, there's not as much value to it. Cause you know, they're kind of set, in their careers and what they do and kind of how they operate versus the young guys are still learning and developing. Um, but they seem pretty, I mean, there seems to be like a want to come back from like, especially the younger guys as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very, very curious to see when the next time we get to see this team is. Cause I mean, as I said, I I'm absolutely starved for content and um, with sports coming back, like it, it just, I, I feel like I'm missing out on it more now that there's actual other teams coming back. It, it's just driving me crazy. And, you know, with sports coming back, you know what else is back, Carter? Gambling. Yes. <laughs> your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or you can check out the daily simulations of Madden, NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. 
That was a really nice segue, Justin. Thanks, Carter. I, I try. I try my best. So, getting back to Kevin Porter Jr. because we we've done our obligated height watch uh, segment, but it does seem like a lot of the messaging that's come from the team is that they view him as their highest upside guy, which, which is certainly interesting, especially like at this point, I, I think you can look at what Colin Sexton has done. And it's definitely fair to say that he has the highest floor out of anyone like who he currently is, even if there's just like modest improvement from this point out, the worst case scenario that that is kind of like a electric sixth man coming off the bench. Like that's someone that any team really could use. Um, what, what do you think is kind of the driving force behind the Cavs belief in KPJ to be kind of the, the cornerstone piece? It's a good question. Um, I think cause like, you know, this year kind of started off a little like shaky form and then he kind of exploded, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of really found his, his place and just how he really, he fits. And I think what's honestly going to be interesting is like something that like JB talked about before the season like when on hiatus um was the fact that you know they were kind of like he wanted to use that last stretch of games to kind of experiment and like see if like kp could like move to play more of the two or like you know like just where he fit you know he he fits very well at the three but like just kind of experiment because they hadn't really done a whole lot of that and kind of why not experiment see where they best fit the best combos that fit together um, but I think, you know, Kevin Porter like really showed just like how versatile he can be and like he can be explosive on both ends and like, that he's just a really good like all around player and can be a good two way player, which is like kind of something they need, of, especially because they're lacking on defense. And I think <laughs> they're, they're lean on that end of the floor <laughs> yeah, to, so, to be charitable. Yeah. And like but so like him showing that side of him, I think just kind of increased his upside and like just kind of showed that, OK, yeah, we had this kind of one vision for him on the offensive end, but being being able to do both is just kind of the best of both worlds, honestly. And so I think for him, honestly, the like going back and having like a little mini camp or whatever would be the best because they can experiment. They can kind of continue to see, you know, just his fit and where where they want him to be and just kind of continue to grow. Um but I do definitely think there is a good, you know, there's a really good feeling about him just because of what he was able to show, especially when like JB took over. Yeah. I think what's interesting with him is that ultimately he doesn't force you to make a lot of concessions and how you build your team. I mean, maybe you want someone who's a bit more of a, uh, of a creator um, and a guy who gets into your sets. I mean, I think the lineup data bore that out that uh, the pairing with Darius was a lot better than the pairing with Sexton because both, Sexton and KPJ are more bucket getters, but uh, defensively, he's a little bit easier to slot in. I I am really interested by the fact that it seems like the team has really embraced KPJ. And, you know, Darius had a tough rookie season, I think, you know, by by most of the numbers. Um, What's kind of your sense of uh, how how this team is uh, viewing Darius right now? Because, you know, normally just by the pedigree of being the fifth overall pick as opposed to the 30th, Darius would be the one getting the shine. Um, uh, but that it feels like Kevin is really getting a lot of love from the organization right now. How are they feeling about Darius? I don't think it's changed, honestly. I think you kind of take into consideration of like everything that happened this year, you know, and um, like his injury, like you still coming back from an injury, you know, I think we probably didn't notice it or it didn't come out as much as maybe it was really affecting him. Mm. Um, but, you know, you're kind of like – coming into a new organization and then all the chaos this year, you know, you can never really get settled. And I think like sometimes, which I didn't realize really at first, but kind of was talking to people like just how much when there's chaos, it, how it it affects a season. And so, you know, you can never really find your way. And so I think, you know, I don't like, I don't want to, I think, yes, he had a, especially when you look at the numbers, he didn't have a good rookie season, but I feel like there's a little bit of like a, of room there to kind of just be like, well, like, yeah, there was a lot that happened though this year. And mm-hmm. especially coming back from, you know, from an injury, didn't really play in summer league, like just kind of, and then that injury during training camp, you know, the foot injury. So you're just kind of, there was just all these things that just added up and then, you know, all the turmoil and everything. And there was just like never really a smooth, 
transition into an NBA season. Plus you're playing at one of the most, like arguably the best position in the league. You know, you're facing guys like every single night that are just the top. Certainly the the deepest position. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And like you're facing guys like every night that are just, you know, obviously have been the league for a while and like you're figuring it out. So I think there's more hope that, you know, okay, like there's an off season now there's time to work. There's a little bit of stability because JB is on his coach, you know, so there's not a change there and there's just kind of going to be a little bit more consistency going into next season. And then you can kind of evaluate kind of as it continues. Yeah. Yeah. Justin accuses me of being too mean to Darius and perhaps, (laughs) and perhaps I am, I don't know. Uh, But I do think like, there's a lot of mitigating factors. You're hundred percent correct. Like he didn't have uh, a, a great off season to, to get ramped up. He had, he plays the toughest position in the league um, right, in terms of like young guards always, always suck. And when they don't, it's a huge surprise. Um, and the fact that, you know, he did show flashes. I mean, on the stream right now, we've got highlights from the game against the nuggets, which I think was probably his best game of the season. Um, and you know, he shows the wiggle, he shows the touch, and he has better vision than I think most of us thought he was going to have um, coming into the season. So it's funny, for a guy whose numbers very rarely reflected it, I do think there are signs there that, uh, you know, if if anyone feels leap-worthy, it seems like he's someone who can do it. If he just bulks up a bit, adds a bit of strength, and just kind of gets used to uh, NBA defenses and running an NBA offense just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you look at it in the last two months of the year, the, the guy was averaging over five assists a game. I, I think if he was able to sustain that, and that was kind of a, like, if you saw that post-All-Star break run, if they actually had those games and he sustained that, it wouldn't be that much of a leap for him to get up to, like, six or seven the, the following year. Like the, the other tricky thing with Garland, and I... I completely understand where people are coming from when they talk about the Cavs team building and people mention Sexton moving to the bench when at this point he is so much more productive than Kevin Porter Jr. or Darius Garland. But it's kind of funny when you're you're looking at team building and if the team truly views KPJ as the guy they want to build around, at least out of who's currently on the roster – the difference in effectiveness of the pairing of Garland and Kevin Porter Jr. compared to Sexton, it's dramatic. Like for the season, it was only a negative 2.2 net rating when Garland and Porter Jr. shared the floor without Sexton. Uh, Whereas Sexton and KPJ was minus 16. And then they were minus 26 when all three were together. So it's really, I, I know what the team does is going to be based on how they develop, but the, the fact that, the lineup data is so dramatic. If that continues next year, it could put the team in a pretty awkward position. And I think it's like one of those things of like where when when they talked about kind of wanting to look at combinations and kind of just look at different lineups and different pairing different guys together, that could have been one of the things they were talking about, you know, and just kind of looking at who fits well together. Like how do they how do they be the most successful with these guys? Because like, obviously they all have talent, you know, individually, it's just kind of finding the best pairings together. And I think that's part of it of like, then there's nothing wrong with all any, like the three of them, you know, it's just kind of figuring out who fits well together and how you move forward to run your offense to like not have, or like limit the amount of defensive inefficiency. (laughs) Um, But there's just like different things I think you can still evaluate and like, yeah, I think it's one of those things of they could have maybe messed with the lineups and seen more of Darius and KPJ together or like Colin and KPJ, like even just like trying things out, you know, like why not just like, I don't know, mess with things and to yeah. see. It, so, it's very early in their careers. Like there, right. there's so much opportunity for them to work things out. And like I've talked about it a million times, but how we discuss Colin Sexton changes dramatically if he starts showing growth on the defensive end because he certainly has the wingspan to do that and I'm, I'm sure you can speak to this but I'm, I'm sure it's a, a point of emphasis with the team because if he recognizes his potential all of a sudden it makes it a whole lot easier to um, 
keep him in the starting lineup long term uh to put him with garland and kevin porter jr like that that's not something that we necessarily should rule out at this point um it's going to be really interesting to see where he directs his energy because the the work ethic of sex i don't think anyone can deny right no yeah it's 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 not possible like you just see like (laughs) though he puts in so much effort and he cares so much and i think that is everybody's aware of that and you and like just seeing how you know, he kind of exploded offensively, especially when JB took over. And, like, yeah, you want to see that growth, especially as the season goes on. But, like, I think that's very telling as well. But they they have to figure out, and, and that's part of growing. Like, it's not – nobody's perfect, but it's, like, part of figuring out, okay, now how do we use that speed and, like, on the defensive edge or find a way to kind of combat that missing link a little bit with, like, if they bring in a wing – you know, that can fill that like a little bit with some height, you know, there's just kind of different things you can figure out. But yeah, I, I, there's no denying that one, the improvement he made and just how explosive he was, especially like in that last stretch. Do you feel like, I I mean, you, you're around the guy a lot more than we are, which is never. And uh, do you, do you get the impression that this is someone who, if the Cavs decided to say, Hey, uh, we looked at our lineup data, um, Garland and KPJ, their lineups, they, they play really, really well together. We'd like you to come off the bench. Is, do you think that's something that a guy like that's going to be uh, receptive to? Because, yeah, he's a really hard worker, but he also thinks very highly of his game, I, I get the impression. Do you, do you feel like that that could that's going to be a, a landmine they're going to have to, you know, dodge? Good question. Actually, somebody asked me that when I did a Q&A last week on the athletic site, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm, it was my I'm, burner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really not sure. I mean, because, like, yeah, like, I mean, like you said, like, I, I talk to him all the time, like, when we were in the locker room and everything, just, like, one, about stories, or but also just, like, just chatting um, about life and everything. But I'm, yeah, I'm not positive. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, because part of it's, like, you know, you want the best for the team. So, if, like, if that's what they see, you're like, okay, obviously it would be disappointing, but, like, if that's how they see it going, then, then the next thing you do is you just prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm curious. I'm, I, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's tricky. Like I find myself getting caught on this all the time. Cause if you like, I, I feel like if Colin Sexton was doing this in a Lakers uniform, like let's say it was that era, the, the five years where um, they, they were bad or however many years it was, if he was putting up basically like since, Clarkson got traded it was like 23 24 points per game efficiently if he was doing that at 20 years old like the league would be taking notice and there would be less of discussion about fit because at this point the cast focus is purely player development so um, when you see that it's okay he's doing all these things yes he's having issues turning it into impact but a a player that talented normally you kind of see a little bit of a warmer reception and, and kind of working to find ways to to factor him into the lineup versus moving him uh to the bench yeah no I totally I totally agree and I and I think that's I mean part of it you know they talked about we talked about it so much throughout the second half of the season I've always been like you know he consistently puts up 20 points like that can't be forgotten and and I and I think that's that's a really good thing to just kind of continually keep in mind like he is he was consistently putting up at least 20 points and just kind of being that, you know, just kind of exploding. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, it's just kind of one of those things of like, you know, is it because of where the Cavs are that, that there's that why this is so much of the conversation versus, I don't know, like whatever other reasons, but it's just kind of like, <laughs> it's just an interesting like thing to think about. I think. I think, I think ultimately what it is is we have a really hard time as sports fans changing our mind about how something is supposed to go and how quick after he was drafted, Justin, were we saying, yeah, but eventually he can be a six man. Yeah. That, you know, that's true. Like I I'm working on, cause like, 
you kind of have to have strong opinions when you're doing a podcast. And like, mm-hmm. I do not know draft the draft very well. And we, that's why we typically bring on experts. And I usually develop strong opinions based on their opinions. Um, and and still pretty, pretty flimsy. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty malleable. Like if a guy starts playing well for my favorite team, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be all over it. Cause I, I care more about the cast figuring it out than I, I do being right or wrong. And, Sexton's just he's a tough guy to project because like coming in it's okay this is a um, kind of pick and roll point guard that doesn't really shoot well but he played good defense at Alabama um, and then he just turned out to be a totally different player than kind of projected and um, it, it's just difficult to have team building conversations because you don't know where he's going to go like you don't know how much he can grow on defense or uh, what the next version of Sexton is going to be even month to month it can change pretty dramatically well and I think too especially because like you know when he you know he came in they drafted him to and played him as point guard and then they drafted Darius and then they moved him over to shooting guard so it was like in his two years he played two different positions and like yes do they have similarities obviously but like you kind of have to switch mindsets a little bit you kind of have to like move to being like okay I'm playing off ball I'm not doing the things I was doing while running the like running the offense and so I think that's also part of the conversation that sometimes you know even I've like forgotten about you're like oh wait he didn't play there last year all the time you know like (laughs) there's just things about it where it's like you know there's yeah like like, there's just so much development and even from year one to year two or and just so many things that change that he is kind of hard to project of like what like how what what he's going to do because Mm -hmm. he has just like he's just changed so much which is not a bad thing in the slightest it's just one of those things of like it's a good problem to have right exactly yeah it's just like i don't know where he's gonna go because i just i don't know (laughs) we we've spent a lot of time talking about the young guys but i think before we uh, we let you go i want to kind of talk about the vets on the team um specifically andre drummond and kevin love uh, two dudes who are at least locked in for next year, uh, though Drummond will hit free agency after that. And, uh, you know, Love is – I think both will probably be the target of trade rumors at some point or another. Have you gotten a sense of kind of how, where those guys are in their headspace? I'm sure Love was hoping to be traded, and then he wasn't. But at least put on the public fit, uh, face of being uh, kind of the good soldier. Um, kind of what, where where do you think those guys' heads are at in terms of – how they're feeling about uh, next season and uh, kind of remaining in this organization. Yeah. Um, we talked, actually got to talk to Kevin um, back in June, kind of as a final like exit interview um, and very much like kind of a similar mindset than some of the young guys just kind of seeing of like, he saw what they were, what they did under JV in that last stretch and was like, saw the momentum, saw the building, saw like the, just kind of that like chemistry and just flow, you know, and, and was excited about where they were going. So it was like a bump. He was obviously bummed that it like the season got cut short because, you know, now you don't have that and you were building off that momentum. So, you know, they've been kind of working to do what they can to keep it going in this off season to then lead into next year, because like, that's such a big part of it over there. Like that momentum was getting them places and yeah, I wouldn't have done anything like drastic, but like probably would have won a couple more games, but it would have continued to build that foundation and like having that, you know, just kind of taken out like sucks. And, you know, especially when we talked to him, a lot of it was like, you know, it was a bummer for the young guys kind of going back to, you know, just that development and having that time. And so he was seeing, you know, like what Colin was doing, what, what Darius was doing, what KPJ was doing, just kind of the growth all around and was excited for where those guys were going. Um, so I think like, you know, I want to say like he talked about like getting wanting to get obviously get back into you know when next season happens just kind of being able to pick up where they left off in the sense of that momentum that camaraderie and just playing with each other um and those and the work they've been doing you know over zoom calls and you know just kind of even like what is it called why am I blanking on the word um (laughs) Oh, like the, I like the in-person workouts. Like, yes, they're individual, but like when guys have been able to be, you know, it's putting in the work when you can. And so like continually putting the work, building on things that you want to get better. And then just like kind of trying to manifest team 
chemistry, team camaraderie, however you can, you know, will help lead into next season. Um, yeah, I think like it's kind of like there's an anticipation of like being able to build off of what they had because a lot of it was just built on like how they are with each other leading into and they're hoping to obviously turn that into next season. I think like, you know, Kevin has a really good relationship with JB and I think that's really helpful um, being able to just kind of rally around him and understand where he's coming from and being able to just like have a good relationship like helps a lot. Um, and just like, even in when, even when the team is like the state it's in, you know, being able to just rally around people, I think is really helpful. And so he has that close relationship with them, which I think is really good. In the chat, uh, Kane Phillips just said on, on the Periscope chat, uh, what about the love and drum and pairing? Any talk about them from the team? Do they view these guys, do they view, especially in the, the drum and sense, are they viewing him as like a foundational piece? I know they kind of just took a flyer on the guy, but he is an all-star talent, so they do kind of have to – yeah, and he's young. And uh, so they kind of do have to figure out just how interested they are in him being a piece of their future. What have you got – what impressions have you gotten from the team with regards to Andre? Yeah, so this was like what was interesting of, you know, they drafted – or drafted, oh my gosh, they <laughs> traded for him. And, um, you know, they were like hoping like, okay, they're going to have like a two-month stretch where it's kind of like an experimental period. See how he fits, see how it goes, and then – hopefully he would opt in and then they could like, if they wanted to, they could offer an extension, just kind of see how he fits. Well, obviously like that got cut short. So I'm curious and I'm not, I don't have like anything yet. Um, but I'm curious like how much, if like, you know, since he did say he was going to opt in, obviously you're still waiting for that to be official, but like he did say he was going to opt in and like how much will they use next season and, or how much of next season to make that decision like I and I'm not sure like I don't know if they saw enough in that little stretch and just how he's been with the team that they've made their decision or if they're kind of still going to rely on next season uh, because there were some numbers um, you know with the, the big lineup actually worked really well to have like Larry Kevin mm-hmm. and Andre or Larry Kevin and Tristan or you know a combination of those three on the floor together like actually had a lot of success mm-hmm. and um which was they were all really excited about. And I think, again, like that was one of those things of like they'll probably continue to experiment with that because they liked what they saw and then it got cut short so they didn't, you know, they didn't get enough. So they'll probably, you know, I could see them trying it out again, kind of seeing what how it works to kind of continue to build that data even more. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious. Like that's kind of one of the things I'm like watching out for, especially because I think it's going to, I don't know. I don't know if they'll, you know, if they'll wait, if it'll just kind of be something like they'll do right away. Uh, there's a lot of questions that I got there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, well, it's really, in- I'm sorry, God, Justin. I, I was just going to say, like, I, I feel like how they handle Andre Drummond is going to be a huge part of Kobe Altman's kind of legacy with the team. Cause this, this is such a crossroads. And I mean, the, there's an opportunity, like he was a guy that I, I was advocating for them trading for uh, prior to it happening just because of his age. And Hey, this might be a worthwhile thing. We, we have three guards that do well in the pick and roll and that's a great pick and roll partner. Um, I, I'd like to check the receipts on that. I don't remember you saying jack shit about Andre Drummond. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. I, I was saying it before the trade deadline. If people will back me up on this. Our, our loyal chase down listeners will back me up. Receipts. <laughs> this I, is very, this is very, uh, this is very Trump-esque. Many people are saying. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm unimpressed with you right now, Carter. I, I, I know the facts and this is not me just being me. Okay. Um, anyways. Continue. Uh, the, I do think that they also have to weigh the fact that he's going to be a massive expiring contract going into a great free agency class. And um, I think some people are a little freaked out by the, the messaging where the Cavs are saying, all right, we're going to try to start winning next year. When to me, at least in reality, like they don't have a lot of ability to make win now moves. Like they can't go out and make a big free agency class because they just don't have that type of cap space. And, a lot of the playmaking and the initiating is still going to be run through young guys. You're going to make mistakes and uh, they're going to have to strike a, a balance here on 
do we bench a guy that let let's say Kevin Porter Jr. has a season similar to what Sexton had, where he his numbers are blowing up, but the team impact isn't there. Are are they going to make win now decisions in um, who they choose to to play and who to put on the bench and the the whole Drummond situation is just it's a really really tricky spot because this is a talent and he can help them in the short term, but the long term play might still be to to move him at the deadline. I mean, let it, before you even say that, I mean, draft is coming up. Uh, and both <laughs> it's Wiseman, all centers and guards. <laughs> yeah, both Wiseman and Okongwu are very, very legitimate prospects. And, uh, Kelsey, do you get the impression that they would avoid a center because they have Drummond on there? Because I, I feel like they're still completely – I have no sense of what they're going to do. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got – I have zero clue. I mean, you know, I think if – if he was best player available, maybe, maybe, and that could affect then what they do with Drummond or, you know, I, that's kind of one of the questions I've, I like have, like, what, what will happen? Because like, it's, I really think kind of depending on like who they draft, it could affect things just kind of like where they go from there. Really anyone except for a wing. If they take a wing, they can, I was going to say, no pressure. (laughs) Easy yeah, money. Exactly. <laughs> this this draft is basically like a Cavs pessimist dream. Like no matter what, you're almost certainly going to be able to make some sarcastic remarks because if they take a guard, people will say, "Oh, they took another guard after taking so many guards." If they take a big, then everyone's going to say, "Oh, you traded for Andre Drummond, and now now you take a big." It, it's basically like if they go out and get like Denny or Vassal or Okoro, uh, then, then oh, maybe they, they reached maybe <laughs> they reached right. for a wing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. really easy. Easy to criticize him. <laughs> well, th- thank God for the new lottery where we, we can fall back and then it wouldn't be considered a reach. All I, I want is for the Cavs to fall like fifth or sixth so I, I so no one will yell at them. Yeah, that's, that's right. I, 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 <laughs> I just I don't want to yell at them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kelsey, you had written about some of the options the Cavs might have uh, when it comes to that um, exception. And uh, one of the guys mentioned Derek Jones Jr. I think uh, Josh Jackson was in there. Um, Kind of wing help. Do do you see that being kind of the direction they go with the absence of wings in the draft that uh, they they might look to kind of fill that void with an exception? I feel like they almost kind of have to, like, to be honest, like that is such a position that they're lacking that like, you know, you have to do one or the other it's either gonna like in the draft or it's in free agency um and yeah that's kind of like what my thinking was around it of like all right that's where you can really go out and make a positional fit is in free agency but granted you know they only have like their mid-level exception and so like that's how they would be able to sign a guy and so Mm -hmm. um and their biannual i forgot about that but like the mid mid level is kind of where they would be dealing with 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 signing somebody um but I think really that should be, you know, the focus for free agency if they move, make any moves because it's such a needed position. And I think, you know, you, there are some potentials like, like those, those three, four that I wrote about, you know, they could, yeah, they're not the biggest names, but they're not going to go sign the big names because they can't. And like Derek Jones Jr., like to like what I wrote about was like, he's going to have a lot of people after him, I feel like, you know, like the Cavs are going to be throwing their hat in a very crowded ring. And so, and like, so that might not be a possibility, but that might be one of those, those things where they, they choose another guy that is younger or, and fits a little bit better in the sense of just like the age, because if they're going along with development, you know, then they can continue to develop him along with their other guys and kind of just all fits together. Uh, but yeah, I think like if, if they're, they are to make any moves in free agency, I feel like it'll probably it would be focused on wings because it's such a position positional need that they mm-hmm. need. Unless Kevin Porter Jr. is six eleven. <laughs> right, exactly. He just like grows get, like get the yardsticks, just, man. <laughs> Seriously. I want I wanna I wanna see them on media day just slung over your shoulder. <laughs> like measure with a little little thing, just put them up on a on a wall. Yeah. Come on. Speaking of mystery wings. We're not wings, asking much. Yeah. <laughs> well I mean the other mystery wing here is Dylan Windler. Like uh, what right. is how, how what's your sense of how the Cavs feel about him because I I mean as much as I love to joke that he could be the Cavs uh, I shouldn't even pretend that I'm joking he could be the Cavs Duncan Robinson he he can be uh that kind of guy what 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 do you think the the Cavs sense is because 
it's a situation where unless they trade out of this draft, they're adding two first round picks to, to next year's team. Right. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, everybody was very, they were very excited about him and then, you know, not having him all last season. And when he was out was like such a bummer because they, they really did see a lot of potential in him. And so I think like the, the thing with him is like, he would going back to what we talked about earlier, he would also benefit from like a delete eight scenario, just kind of like getting him back into the swing of things and like putting him in, you know, kind of an NBA setting because missing a rookie season is like, that's, it's that would, that's very hard. You know, not only is it hard to come in as a rookie, but then missing that and then having to come back in, is just kind of is going to be a difficult situation. I'm not saying that he can't do it obviously, but like, it's just kind of one of those things of like, it's going to less take than him, ideal. Right. And it's going to take him some time to like get adjusted and find his, find his rhythm and find his place. And, there kind of has to be that little leeway for him that like he literally missed a whole season for an injury, but like, so like give him a shot to just kind of like get acclimated because every he's going to need it. But I think there still is that hope that, you know, he can be that guy and that hasn't wavered. It's just, you know, obviously was put on hold because of his injury, but like, yeah, I don't think like it's changed. It's just the fact that like now you got to work kind of work back from coming back from an injury. Yeah, and, and the nicest thing about a delete eight bubble is because the games don't count, it wouldn't impact his rookie of the year eligibility, which is, is crucial. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we we want to keep that. <laughs> Had to uh, bet online.ag to see what yeah. uh, his, his rookie of the year odds are. I'm sure they're not posted yet. <laughs> that that would truly be something. That 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 would be an all time bet if it actually cashed in. Uh, I, I I'm somewhat skeptical of that. Garter, do you have anything else before I wrap this thing up? No, no, that's it for me. Kelsey, thank you so much for uh, becoming a repeat guest. That's, uh, of course. It's, it's not that prestigious of company, but that doesn't mean <laughs> we don't appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate it. It's fun. I, I mean, I haven't had a lot of podcast experience, so this is great to be able to come and chat and figure out how to do all this. <laughs> well, we're, we're, anytime we can go through a podcast without scaring someone off or they're actually <laughs> willing to come back another time, I will take that as a victory. So we really, really do appreciate your time and insight on this. I uh, hope, hope you're staying safe. Hopefully uh, th- there's some news in the near future although with with the Cavs sometimes no news is kind of nice um yeah. <laughs> I, I I want things that I, I can kind of sink my teeth into and things to get excited but uh big shake-ups uh I think I'm I think I'm good with no big shake-ups for a little while same yeah there, there was enough in one year that, that laying those okay I'm good with it <laughs> they they will work their way towards normal hopefully maybe fingers crossed yeah. anyways really appreciate your time want to thank all of our listeners as well for supporting the podcast remember the best way to support us is by leaving a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of our exclusive discord chat you can send a screenshot of the review to chase down pod at gmail.com really do appreciate all your support big thanks to kelsey thanks to all our listeners stay safe out there and until next time go cats <laughs>